Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. All right. Well, welcome to our final week of our series called Devoted Relationships. Have you enjoyed the series so far? Yeah. And uh, super excited to bring our last message in the series. It's only a, always a highly anticipated series for our church. And so if you're unable to be here for some of the messages, you can get caught up. Go to our website, go to Spotify, iTunes, and all that. Search The Fuel Church, and all our messages are there. And um, so today we're going, to, uh, we're going to conclude our series with a message that I want to talk about today. Um, what I want to hit on is devoted families. Someone say devoted families. How can we have devoted families? Remember, that word devoted means loyal and faithful. And so we're going to be talking about families today. Someone say families. And uh, as I was prepping the message, I ran across a few funny memes in regards to families. Can I read them to you? Okay. These are funny. And the last one is just hilarious. If you don't laugh, then you're not going to like our church. Um, but the first one is this. Families are like fudge, mostly sweet with lots of nuts. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. And then the next one I see is this. It said this. I saw a store that had a sign that reads, we treat you like family. Yep, not going in there. <laughs> she loved it over there. Thank you, honey. Thank you, honey. The kids even love my jokes. And then the last one, this is funny. Um, it read this. Every family has one weird relative. If you don't know who it is, then it's probably you. <laughs> it's probably you. Yeah, it's definitely you. If you're not laughing, it's definitely you. If you're just staring at me, it's definitely you. You're the weirdo, but we love you. Everyone's welcome at Fuel Church. I want to follow up with a more serious question here to kind of set the stage for this message, and it's this. Is your home characterized by conflict or peace? Which word best describes the environment of your home? Would it be conflict or would it be peace? I believe for many in here, if we were honest, we would say the best word is conflict that describes our home. It's, there's tension in our homes. There's strife in our homes. There's a lot of fighting and argument that rule the environment of our homes. And what we're going to see today is that God desires for our homes to be peace-filled. Someone say peace-filled. A home of peace. And I know what some of you are thinking. You don't know who I live with. You don't know. 
like they're the definition of conflict. Um, like dysfunctional is their middle name. That's who I live with. And uh, someone may say, we're so far from peace that I wouldn't even know where to start. And let me just encourage you with this. Every family, someone say every family. Every family has that one dysfunctional, impossible to get along with, angry, mean, crazy person in it. Every family. Raise your hand if you have one in your family. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Honestly, maybe an aunt, uncle, maybe a cousin. Come on. Every, they may not live in your house, but when you go to their house, they crazy. They crazy. Hmm? Now, now, here's what I just observed. There are a few of you that didn't raise your hand. Remember, I said every family has one. You may be the one. <laughs> I think it's funny here. You guys are showing your teeth at me. You're the one. If you don't know who it is, it's you. It's you. But there's good news today. There's good news and there's grace today. Come on now. And God's going to help us today. Amen. Because the reality is every family unit, every home goes through challenging seasons and moments. Every home goes through conflict, but that should not be the norm. That should be the exception to the norm. Every, every home, every family unit goes through trying times. And um, I, I don't know what that looks like for some of you, but here's a few examples, and maybe you find yourself there, or you used to find yourself here. Maybe, maybe you're trying to raise your kids, and your mom and dad keep looking over your shoulder telling you how to raise your kids. And you appreciate the advice, but it's a little overwhelming for you. And you, 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 you come on, yeah, you're quiet in here. Some of you are like, yeah, I wanna tell mom, get out of my biz, right? Maybe it's your own kids and all they do is fight all the time. If you say one more word, I'm stopping this car and whooping your butt. Except for you didn't say butt. You said another word. You said another word that we can't say in church. Huh? Maybe you're a teenager and you think, my parents will never trust me. They're always breathing down my neck and hovering over me. I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe for... For somebody, you're in a blended family, and it's challenging and trying, and you're, you're, you're doing your best to raise your kids and his kids and her kids, and there's exes involved, and there's schedules involved, and it's incredibly complicated. It's just messy. Blended families are challenging, and there's one set of rules in one house and one set at the other house. And your kids come home and say, well, they let me watch that and say that and do that, but not in this house, right? And so there's this tension going on. Maybe for some, you're at a place and to this day, you haven't forgiven your mom and dad for something that happened decades ago, years ago, or you haven't forgiven that family member of what they did to you when you were a child. And so here's what I know today is I have big expectations, big expectations that God is going to heal some hearts in here today. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. 
As I've been prepping all week, I just firmly believe that God is gonna heal some hearts in here, and if it's gonna happen, we're gonna have to learn. If it's gonna happen in our homes, if we're gonna have peace in our homes, we're gonna have to learn to be peacemakers. Someone say peacemakers. So I wanna talk about, for the remainder of our time today, I wanna talk about peacemakers. Say that word one more time. Peacemakers. We're gonna go to a portion of scripture and in uh, Matthew's gospel, and there we find Jesus giving what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. We find eight beatitudes that Jesus talked about. A beatitude is simply a blessing that is attached when you line yourself up with kingdom principles. And so Jesus goes through these eight beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he goes through them all. And then we look at one of the beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9. Look at this. Blessed are the what? The peace what? For they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus was saying there is a higher calling for those who want to follow me. There is a higher calling and when you determine to be peacemakers, there is a blessing that is attached to your life. Notice he, he, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. There is a big difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Let's talk about it. Peacekeepers, they often avoid conflict to keep peace. Oh, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you are that person. You do whatever to avoid the issue and skirt around the issue so that there is peace at the dinner table, so there is no fighting and throwing of mashed potatoes and peas. Come on now. So peacekeepers never address the issue head on. They skirt around it. They never want to talk about the major issue of conflict. Let's not talk about it. Let's get together. Let's get to the dinner table. Let's smile and act like we have no problems in the world. Hmm? How many in here have ever had a food fight at the dinner table over an issue in the family? Raise your hand. I just thought about that. I just wanted to see who you were. That's awesome. I just thought it was, that's awesome. Like actually throwing food. That's cool. I always dreamed of doing that. That's why I wanted to see who you were. Maybe I'll talk to some of you how to do that. You know, what's the best route to do that? Like, do you throw the meat first or the potatoes, you know? Potatoes? Okay. Mash or the, you know, anyway. Peace keepers. Peace keepers, they bottle stuff up and keep it in. And then one day, months and years later, the explosion happens because we never address the issue. I wanna help you today. I believe God wants to help us today. Is that okay? Peacemakers, though, let, let's talk, that, that's where we wanna go today. God's desire is for us to be, he said we're blessed when we're peace. Makers, because peacemakers, they embrace conflict to make peace. They're not walking around the issue. They're dealing with it head on. They're willing to have tough conversations with their spouse, with their kids, with a family member. They're willing to have tough conversations that are uncomfortable. 
We're not gonna sweep it under the rug. No, we're gonna deal with it because that's what we do. We are peacemakers. We're not gonna allow conflict in the home. We're not gonna allow sibling rivalry in the home. We're gonna deal with it right now. Amen? Peacemakers. Peacemakers, they decide to work with the Prince of Peace in order for there to be peace in their homes. Imagine that. That one of the names of God is he is the Prince of Peace. He's the ruler of peace. Come on now. The ruler means he calls the shots. When it comes to peace in my mind, I call on the Prince of Peace because he's going to lead me beside still waters, the Bible says. Come on now. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil because you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me, and thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You better learn Psalms 23. You better know that the Lord is your shepherd and you don't need or want anything else when you have a revelation that he's your shepherd and that he leads you. He leads you. He doesn't push you. He leads you. He leads you beside still, peaceful, calm waters. Peacemakers. Peacemakers. What what do peacemakers do? Who wants to know? Anybody? You want to know what peace? I got three points. Imagine that. Imagine that. I got three points today, not four. Three. Three points in a poem. No, I ain't got a poem, but. Number one, here we go. Peacemakers, they tell the truth in love. They tell the truth in love. They tell the truth in love. No, no, they tell the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15. Instead, we speak the what? In love. And that's how we grow. Growing in every way to be more and more like your pastor? Your small group leader? Fuel church? No, no. We're not trying to be like, don't try to be like me. Right? Unless you got a sick shoe game. I'm just saying. It's on point. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. So when we tell the truth in love within the confines of our home and our family, we grow together. We grow as a family unit and we become more like Christ. And that's, who we're, that's why you're here today. You want to get better. You want to be a better follower of Christ. You want to be a better husband, a better wife. You want to make better decisions. And you want to be more like Jesus. Right? Notice it doesn't say yell the truth in love. Can we stop right there for a minute and talk about it? Can we talk about it? Um, It says speak the truth in love. But how many times we as parents, we yell the truth in love? Truth, but it's not in love to our kids. How how many times do we yell at our kids out of frustration, out of tension? Clean your room, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. (laughs) My Lord. You're always getting bad grades because you don't listen. See, you're not even listening to me right now telling you about you got a listening problem. 
right? I swear you're just like your father. I swear you're just like your mother. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid. I I didn't grow up in a home that yelled. I grew up in a very peaceful home. Um, The only time my dad yelled at me is a few times when I ate the whole pizza and didn't give my brothers a slice. You know, because there was three, three boys in the house, you know. We, we teenagers, we like to eat. Come on now. But I grew up in a very peaceful home with a very loving mother and father. But after pastoring for 20 years and counseling family after family, I've come to understand that one of the common languages within many homes is called yelling. It's called yelling. And I believe God wants something better for your home. And I understand some of you, you, you're like, listen, you don't know the home I was raised in. And I get that because you had bad examples and you had a bad model to glean from and learn from, right? So therefore, you've adapted some bad learned behavior, right? So you've seen dad show his frustration to get things done by yelling, throwing stuff, hitting something, Right? And so now you're a dad and you got kids and that same thing's trying to come out of you. What you have to do is you have to say, that stops with me. No, no, you have to do that. Daddy can't do that. You have to do that. You can't change your childhood. You can't change the home you were raised in. But you have to say, enough is enough. It's not getting passed down to another generation. Well, that just runs in my family. Well, it stops running with you. Rise up and be the man of God you're called to be and say, it stops running with me. Hmm? Is this okay? Because this is a good message today that I believe is going to help us. So, so we, we've, we've fairly, we've, we've really seen that we, 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 we think, rather, I'll get it out, we think that yelling gets their attention. And we're wrong. It, it, it doesn't get their attention. We, we see that they pay attention when we yell, but they're really not, and it's highly unhelpful to your child when you yell at them. Hmm? And so I ask the question again, is your home a home of peace or conflict? Which word best describes it? And if we're gonna... Strive to be peacemakers, because I know that's what you want to be. I know that's what you want in your home, or you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't have took the time to get everybody ready, get in the car, fight the traffic, find a parking spot, walk across the street again, <laughs> right? Stand in a check-in line again. Come on now, if you didn't want to be a peacemaker, right? And so we're going to have to learn to tell the truth in love. Someone say, tell the truth in love. When, when do we tell the truth in love? Non-conflict times, in non-conflict times. What does that mean? When emotions are at an all-time low, not a high. You see, you don't want to come at, has anybody ever been hurt by somebody who you felt like they were coming at you, right? Because they came at you at the wrong time? Because the emotions were at an all-time high? And that wasn't the time to address the issue? And so we got to find non-conflict times to tell the truth to our, our spouse, our kids, our mom, our dad, our aunt, our uncle, whatever it is. And then, and then the second thing is we have to learn how to do that. So we, we find non-conflict times. And then how we do that is we confront the issue, not the person. 
We confront the issue, not the person. We confront the issue, not the person. You ever felt like somebody was attacking you? You ever felt like you ever get offended? Did you ever leave a church because of it? Yeah. A lot of people leave the church because they get offended because they feel someone is attacking them. Now, sometimes they are, but a lot of times they are not. they, They just presented it and communicated it in a wrong way. They should have came across and said, hey, here is the issue, right? And so, so we need to learn how to communicate because how we communicate will either lead us towards closeness in our family or separation, towards unity or disunity. How we communicate in the home. And no communication is not the right way to communicate. I'm just going to sit there, just let the kids do whatever they want. Just, I'm just not going to say anything. Well... You crazy. You that crazy one in the family. We got to communicate, right? Your, sh- your home should be the safest place on earth to communicate. I want my kids to come to me and ask me the hard questions. So I have an open door policy. If you don't know something that someone told you in school, if you're wondering about it, come on now. Come to dad. Come to mom. If you did something wrong, come to me first. Open door policy. And they know. They can come to us. Why? Because the culture and this world and their friends at school are going to tell them the, the perverted way of sex and relationships. They're going to hear the truth from mom and dad because that's my role. I parent, I parent my kids. I don't allow the school system to parent it. God bless teachers. I'm all for it. But I'm not going to allow the school system and the culture and the kids that aren't getting parented at home come and put hogwash down my kid's throat. I said hogwash. That's for all the farmers out there, hogwash. So, so, so we have an open door policy. Come and talk to us about it. Come and talk, because let me just tell you, if your kid's in fourth or fifth grade, they're already hearing about what sex is. And for those who say, no, my little Sally doesn't know, yes, she does, you don't know. You better wake up. You better wake up when they're coming talking about, you know, which gender is what, and this kid came and said he was this and that. You better wake up. You better wake up and start having conversations. Well, I just don't want to, I'm embarrassed. You, you better stop getting embarrassed. And you better tell them the truth or they're going to believe the lies. Period. Period. So, so we tell the truth in love, number, number one. And then number two, we apologize when we're wrong. We apologize. Oh, this is a hard one to swallow right here, especially for the men. <laughs> we never want to admit we're wrong. We have something called a pride issue, and in the middle of that word pride is a big I. Yeah, some of you men don't like me right now. You know I'm telling the truth up in this church house. Apologize when you're wrong, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to who? Oh, really? I thought I confessed my sins to God. You do confess your sins to God for forgiveness, but you confess them to others. Why? So that you may be healed. Got some issues in the heart. Got some unforgiveness. Right? You got to go to individuals. You got to make peace. Peacemakers apologize when they are wrong. What if we admitted to our attitudes and our actions with no excuses attached to it? What if we ever did that in our relationships, in our home, in our family, in our, with our spouse? What if we came and we said, you know what? I raised my voice when I was upset with you and I was wrong. Yeah. 
Do you know how much power are in those words? I was wrong. I am sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And it's the hardest words for us to say, especially when it comes to our family. We could apologize to a coworker. We could apologize to a random stranger, but we can't apologize to the person we're in bed with beside. We can't apologize to our kids when we blew our top and got angry and shouldn't have done that. What if we admitted to him? What if when we said things like this, I was running late and I didn't call you and I know it messed up your plans. I was wrong. I was wrong. What if we said things like when I didn't show up like I said I would and I gave you my word and I know it hurts you. I want you to know I was wrong. When I told you I would take you somewhere but I never followed through with you. I was wrong. When I put you down in front of your friends, I was wrong. Husbands say to the wife, when I dropped the cat off the roof to see if it would land on all fours, I was right. It's true. He'll land on all fours. A few bumps and bruises, it's okay. You was right. So, so listen, church, there is a big difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse and repentance. There, there, there's a big difference. Remorse says, I'm sorry I got caught. Remorse says, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. Hmm. Remorse says, I'm sorry I spent all our money on shoes and blew our budget. Said that a few times. <laughs> repentance, on the other hand, says, I was wrong. I messed up. I sinned against you. Hmm? Repentance asks the question, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? So peacemakers, number one, they tell the truth in love. Number two, they apologize when they're wrong. And number three, they forgive and let go. Peacemakers, they forgive and they let go. Peacemakers, they forgive and they let go. Listen, church, when someone truly apologizes, don't keep hanging it over their head. Let it go. There's a real good spiritual song out right now that we should do in church. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold me back anymore. The first book of Frozen, check it out. <laughs> Chapter four, verse 10. That was funny. Thank you, thank you, sir. I love that belly laugh, encourage me. Forgive and let go. Stop hanging it over their head. That doesn't mean you get, you get back to the position of trust that you once had with somebody because if trust has been broken, guess what? It's gonna take time to build it back up, right? Forgive and let go. This is what peacemakers do. They forgive and they let go. And someone's saying, I can't. They betrayed me. They hurt me. They did me wrong. They robbed me. They abused me. They lied about me. They took my money and that business deal gone wrong. They took advantage of me. How do I forgive someone who did that? 
Let me tell you how you do it. There's only one way. There's only one way. Look at Colossians 3.13. So we close today. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember. Remember. Remember the Lord who forgave you. Remember. No, no, I can't remember all those times. There's too many for me. No, I, there, there's thousands, maybe millions of times he forgave me. But I can rehearse God's goodness. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. Re- remember the Lord who forgave you. So you must also what? Hmm. Question. Has the Lord forgiven you a lot? Or has the Lord forgiven you a little? I know for this man, he's forgiven me a lot. I know for me, I've messed up a lot. I know for me, if he piled the sins up, it would be a huge mountain for me. I I don't know what yours looks like. Maybe you got a molehill. But I got a mountain bigger than Everest of sins that if God brought him up, if God would take the fishing pole and go in the sea of forgetfulness and pull him up, he'd be fishing for years to pull up all the mess in my life and to know how good God has been to forgive me. Now I can go forward and forgive others because if you've been given grace, give grace. If you got mercy, give mercy. If you've been given forgiveness, give forgiveness. Oh, yeah. And maybe some of you just need to go back and remember how good he's been to you. How the grace of God found you in the pit of your sin. How when even after you were following God, you still fell short, but God's mercy and grace picked you up and forgave you. Maybe if we look through the lens of that, when we're having trouble forgiving someone in our family, someone in our home, or someone we work with, maybe if we look through that lens, it'll give us the power to say, I forgive them and I let it go. Hmm? If you've wronged someone in your family, make it right today. Forgive them, even when they don't ask. If someone did wrong to you, even if they don't ask, forgive them and release it to God. Keep your heart right. The church is a spiritual family. If you've wronged someone who's your brother and sister in Christ, or maybe they wronged you, go make it right. Go make it right. It amazes me how we could sit in the same building but in different sections and be at odds with one another. It amazes me how we could come into church and raise our hand and praise the Lord when we have bitterness and unforgiveness against somebody who sits over there because of something they did five years, ten years ago. Oh, I'm preaching. I'm out of time, but I'm going into OT today because I see I hit a nerve right there. It amazes me how we can worship and call Fuel Church our same home, but yet we have no peace in our homes. It amazes me how husband and wife could come and they serve on the team and they're in a small group, but yet all there is in their home is tension and confusion and bickering and fighting and you said this and you did this, but yet we come into church acting like we got it all together. Praise God, God is good, hallelujah. No, we know God is good, but your home ain't good because you haven't released it. 
You haven't released it. I don't know if there's anything that would hold you back as a Christ follower like unforgiveness will. I have seen more people exit the church because of unforgiveness that turns into a root of bitterness and a stronghold of offense. Offense always builds offense. Always. Always. I don't know if I've ever seen more people leave the church. Number one reason why. They hurt me. They did me wrong. I'm offended. Well, get unoffended. Be unoffendable. I want to encourage you. Be unoffendable. I care what they say. With, I'm unoffendable. I'm not going to allow that junk in my spirit, right? Because I'm a peacemaker. Come on now. I'm a peacemaker. I'm going to walk with peace. I'm going to tell the truth in love. I'm going to apologize when I'm wrong. And I'm going to forgive and I'm going to let go because that's what peacemakers do. And I want the blessing that God has. I want everything that God has for me. And if he says I need to be a peacemaker and the blessing is there, then we're going to do it in our home. We're going to do it with our family. We're going to gather the family and say, you know what? From this day forward, this is a home of peacemakers. This is in a home of fighting and bickering and complaining and tattletaling and, and yelling words and yelling at each other. No, this from this day forward, this is a home of peacemakers. Come on now. Do you receive that today? I feel that for somebody today. I feel that for you today. That we will no longer allow the spirit of the enemy to control our homes. Who is the author of confusion. Who is the author of discord. Who is the author of a lying spirit. We will no longer allow that to rule, that spirit to rule and reign in our home. From this day forward, we drive a spiritual stake in the ground and we say our home will be full of peacemakers. Peacemakers. You're a peacemaker. You're a peacemaker. You're a peacemaker. You're a peacemaker. I'm telling you, things will shift. You get peace in our homes, things will shift, church. I'm telling you, you bring that into this house, things will shift. Things will shift. So I want to encourage you today. We want to have devoted families, devoted homes, loyal and faithful. So let's strive. Let's do our best. Come on, we can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Let's do our best to be peacemakers. 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 You know? Nothing in this world can give you peace like the Prince of Peace. I see people working seven days a week trying to get that almighty dollar. I see them trying to get status. I see them trying to buy their kids stuff, buy another home on the lake, whatever it is. And I'm not against all that stuff, but I see them searching for peace and you'll never find it in that stuff. You'll never find it in that stuff. I see Hollywood searching for peace. They got Ferraris. They got Lambos. They got houses upon houses, 10, 20,000 square foot. And they're taking their lives every week. Searching for peace. When you find peace, ain't no price. Ain't no, no money in the world. Ain't no possessions in the world can equal the peace that God has for your life. Find that peace. See, some of you are searching for fulfillment and you thought it was more stuff and more money and a bigger this and a bigger house and a bigger car and whatever. And you're, you're always gonna come up empty searching in that stuff. 
That's all great, that's fine, and God wants you to be blessed, but not when, not when your whole world is obsessed with that. Not when that becomes your God. Not when you're working seven days a week, forsaking the house of God and forsaking bringing your family and leading your family spiritually to God's house. When you find the peace of God, it overshadows anything the world can offer. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me, close your eyes all over the auditorium today. My prayer is that God spoke to you through this message and he's speaking even right now on ways that you can apply this message to your life. I don't know where your home is. I don't know what your family dynamic looks like. I don't know what it is day to day. Maybe there's conflict. Maybe there's a lot of fighting and yelling. But maybe today it stops. And maybe today it starts with you declaring as the mother, the father, from this day forward, we're going to be peacemakers. We're going to work at it. Yeah, it's going to take work. We're going to sit down together and have real conversations and not just let everybody in their room to watch their flat screen TV and be on their iPads for hours on end. We're actually going to talk. We're actually going to ask our kids how they're doing. We're actually going to pry it out of them because they're not going to want to tell us all the time. So we're going to be patient and we're going to come up with new ways to get them to talk to us. We're actually going to have peace in our marriage. We're tired of fighting over trivial stuff. We're tired of fighting over little things. We're going to have peace. We're going to say, I forgive you. We're going to say, I'm sorry in our house. We're going to say, I was wrong in our house. We're going to say, Let's let it go. I know I hurt you, but we're going to let it go. I know they hurt you, but we're going to forgive and we're going to let go. Lord, we thank you. Help us. Help every home represented here, every family represented here for us to be peacemakers, peacemakers, peacemakers. For we know that's the best that you have for our homes. So we receive that today. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.